Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. We appreciate everybody that is tuning in. Our little fan base is growing more and more each month there, Hefe. October has been a record-setting month, and we appreciate every single one of the downloads from the bottom of our heart. We could not do it without you. Record-setting day, week, and this is going to be another record-setting month. We've got some amazing sponsors. There is no reason that there should be anything that you're looking for, waterfowl-related, that we don't have a sponsor for. This podcast is brought to you by the one and only Boss Shot Shells. 100% American-made, and it flies off of the shelf. Um, Inventory every morning in. Inventory drops at 10 a.m., and it's gone in a matter of minutes. With the current situation that we're in in the United States, if you need shotgun shells, do not wait around. We've been hammering it all summer. We're going to continue to hammer it until they don't have any more shotgun shells to sell. If you need shotgun shells, message them at BossShotShells.com. Get on the list, whatever you have to do. Ship it straight to your door. It's all American-made, and they are wonderful people over at Boss Shot Shells. It's a premium, high-quality load that hits like a freight train every single time. So, great people. Go check them out at BossShotShells.com. We're also brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey. Listen, the ride can be rough. There's no reason that your drink shouldn't be smooth. You need to enjoy a a traditional corn mash whiskey aged in charred, new-age American oak barrels where you will find a pleasant aroma of vanilla and spice before galloping into notes of nougat, sweet corn, and a lingering caramel finish. Ladies and gentlemen, it's all that I drink. I love my whiskey sour at night. Bangtail whiskey is my whiskey of choice whenever whenever the long day is finally over and I get to edit a podcast and relax with a nice whiskey sour. They are You can start finding them in liquor stores around you, or you can order it at bangtail.com, and it will come straight to you. Brandon's a good guy. Check him out. Really good guy. We're also brought to you by Shin Gear Waiters. The best waiters on the market. They've got a promise that they will stand behind their product as long as you stand in them. It can be the last pair of waiters that you have to buy. Their promise to you is that if it springs a leak, you send it to them. They'll have a quick turnaround. Check them out at shingear.com, and you can discover the difference. About every year, somebody's bitching that they need a pair of waiters. Well... Fork over, the, fork over the money, get you a pair of waiters that's going to last from a company that is going to take care of you in the long run. You have problems with it, you send it to them, they'll fix it. It's that easy. Customer service. It's, it's something that's lost in this world. Shin Gear is trying to fix that. Check them out, shingear.com. They have waiters in stock right now, but they won't last long. Don't be a tight ass. <laughs> We're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. Great guys. That is one thing about all of our sponsors. They're all great, great people. And Trevor and Alex from Pacific Calls are no different. Um, You can call them up. They've got an extensive line of waterfowl calls. They've got duck calls, Canada calls, spec calls, snow calls, turkey calls. They're a one-stop shop. You can call them up, and uh, they'd be happy to answer any questions about any of their different calls. My personal favorites are the 206 Goose Call. It's loud. It's fast. It's aggressive just like the little geese down here, and the PCD duck call. Hands down, the best duck call in the market. It's smooth. It feels like an old-timey, well-made duck call, and it's my favorite thing to use. It's going to be Reese's favorite thing to use, too, because they're sending uh, calls for his birthday. So he's going to be excited about that. You can find them at PacificCustomCalls.com. You can check out their entire line, or you can just go to the website and call the number and talk to Trevor Austin or Stefan or whoever the hell answers the phone and – Pick their brain about it. Great people, PacificCustomCalls.com. 
We're also brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. We've got a whole bunch in stock. That's what our people are going to be drinking every single day here at the Big Honker Lodge. If your coffee sucks, it's not the duck. Made right here in the great state of Texas. They've got a blend for every coffee connoisseur out there. They've got a dark roast blend. They've got a medium roast blend. They've got a high velocity for those days that you really need to pick me up. Uh, you can also subscribe and get on a monthly rotation, and they'll just you won't even have to order it. They'll just ship it straight to your door. They got badass tumblers. They got cool. They got clothes. They've got everything at DirtyDuckCoffee.com. When you come up here to hunt with us, you can either have some Suns Up, Guns Up, Colombian Supremo, First Flight French Roast, High Velocity Caffeine Roast, or the Missouri Boat Ride. The Missouri Boat Ride is the way to go. Or you can get the uh, the Full Limit Six Duck Special. You can get uh, every one of their roasts for a low cost of $75. Six bags of coffee straight to your door. Hell of a deal. That's at DirtyDuck.com. We're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the leader in silhouette manufacturing great guys there too that is one thing about our sponsors is every one of them is top-notch people and they go out of their way for their customers dive bomb except for the fat bastard at stanfield hunting yeah he's a little bit of a dick you're talking about tony yep dive bomb industry if you need silhouettes they are the way to go as always you want to get the bag so that they pack up nice and neat and you can stay organized during hunting season it does not matter what you're chasing they have got a decoy for you whether it is uh canada geese specs snows ducks they've got uh Canada floater line that they're really excited about. They're also coming out with the uh, the kickstand. Be looking for it whenever they say that they've got some in stock. If you want it, you better jump on it. Guys, if you're hunting a pond, southwest Oklahoma, northern Nebraska, wherever, you're hunting on a stock pond, take, and, and, and you got a bank you're going to hunt on, take you two dozen of those those duck silhouettes and stick them on there. It makes your spread look so completely different. I'm telling you, the colors pop on them. It's a game changer. It's it's a, it's an inexpensive way to add your spread to kill a lot of ducks. So look up at <clears throat> dibombindustries.com. That's the way to go. We're also brought to you by Lucky Duck, makers of the best A-frame that's on the market right now, 2 by 4 Other companies, they'll tell you that their blind can fit four people. I've been in the other people's blinds. Cannot fit four people. Four midgets, maybe. Four grown men with all their waterfowl gear, no. Lucky Ducks 2x4 can. They also make spinners. They're waterproof. You accidentally spill one in the in the pond. When you're duck hunting, your dog knocks it over going to retrieve a bird. Takes a little swim. All you got to do, pick it up, dry it off. Works like a champ. It's waterproof. It's great stuff. They have a kennel line out. It is five-star crash test rated, so you can put it in the back of your pickup, and you do not have to worry about your four-legged friend uh, if you have an accident. So check them out at luckyduck.com. We are also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. Speaking of your four-legged friend, you should uh, go to Gundog Outdoors and get the quick release system. I think, you know, no matter what level your dog may be at, the quick release system is a, it's a good tool to have. They have bad days every once in a while. And if your dog's breaking, all it takes is once. So clamp your dog in with the quick release system. You don't have to worry about him going anywhere. And I also think that every waterfowl hunter should have their field trauma kit it could save a life put it in your bag it packs up nice and neat alex is a uh, retired firefighter retired uh first responder he knows the tools that you're going to need to stop bleeding 
get somebody warmed up from hypothermia. Life and death situations is what he thrived in. And he has tailored this field trauma kit to meet a lot of different needs. So it can go in your hunting bag, sit in the back of your pickup truck, takes up no space at all, and it's affordable. So I believe everybody should take that and uh, have an ounce of preparation. That's at gundogoutdoors.com. We're also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Logan and Rebel, they're up on Patreon right now. It's seven bucks a month. You go to Patreon, you get full access to their entire uh, podcast library, all the episodes, bonus material, you know, you name it, you got access to it. You can be a member of the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast cult for $7 a month. Fork it over, listen to what all they got going on. Uh, the bourbon reviews are free to everybody. They go up on iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff every week. But the full-length podcast episode, you got to pay for that stuff. And that you find that at Patreon. Uh, we're also brought to you by Goose Creek Retrievers. Matt Peel is carving out a legacy right now. He is on a world tour. He's going to all the field tests, the hunt tests. He's racking up the ribbons, putting out high-quality dogs. If you need to send your dog to a trainer... I cannot, cannot recommend Matt Peel enough. Some of the things that uh, that he's able to do with dogs, with puppies, no matter what level they're at, he's truly a master of his craft, and he's putting out world-class dogs. High-caliber dogs, Jeff. The best. Stays busy, works hard. I've known a lot of guys that are dog trainers. I don't know any that I've ever been around that are as committed as much as he is. Right. He's 24-7. All the time. Shit, he had... COVID and still worked, I think. <laughs> I think you're right. He's a go-getter. He is. He's a good guy. Uh, check him out on Instagram, Goose Creek Retrievers, and uh, it's a good follow on Instagram. We're also brought to you by Eyesight Drones. No sense in living in the dark ages. They are now offering LiDAR inspection with an American-made drone. And uh, if you don't know what LiDAR is, it creates an extremely accurate 3D model and it can be used for infrastructure, construction, inspection, terrain modeling, archaeology, power line inspection, and much, much more. Uh, they actually use this on a farmer's field so that they could tell uh, where the water was draining. He was wanting to do some water work and they were able to tell him exactly how much dirt to move and where to move it to to uh, free up some water movement. But uh, it is an American-made drone. If you email them, honker at eyesightdrones.com, you can receive 20% off of their services. Tell them you heard it here. Tell them what you got cooking, and they will bring their American-made drone out. Do a little, little, little bit of LiDAR and uh, tell you exactly what you need to do to get your duck hole optimized. That's at eyesightdrones.com. We're also brought to you by Steak Plains Meats. Listen, we are in an uncertain times here in America. The grocery stores, it feels like every time we go, there's less and less food on the shelves. If you can afford to buy a whole beef, there's no other reason to go. There's no reason to not go that route. Matter of fact, I saw yesterday that ranchers are coming up with their own money yeah. to build their own processing plant because they're getting screwed. The American people are getting screwed. If you want to buy meat, go to Steak Plains Meats. You can get a whole beef. You can get your deer processed there. That's the route to take. Things are so ridiculous when you go to a grocery store right now. I saw beef the other day, $25 a pound for ribeyes. I don't doubt it. You can go to Steak Plains Meat. You get a better price, a better product. You can get a whole beef, a quarter beef, or a half beef, but go to Steak Plain Meats. Last but not least, we are brought to you by the one and only Stanfield Hunting Outfitters right here at the Big Honker Lodge, Knox City, Texas. 
midweek. Dates are filling up. Midweek December, I've got a few dates left. I've got the week behind. The week after Christmas is open for some reason. I do not know why. It's always weird. You have a couple of days that for some reason are still open that are usually closed. I've got that open, and I've got a few weekdays in January left, and that's about it, folks. But we look forward to having you. We'd love to have you come hunt with us, uh, booking for spring turkey hunts already. We're going to do some unguided hog hunts in February and March. Uh Holler at us at stanfieldhunting.com or goose at westtex.net, or you can call 940-658-3172. And, yes, I do answer my own phone. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Arliss Reed of Habitat Flats. He is the general manager of the uh, the grant. We talked to him what it's what it's like uh, running that that big operation that they got going over there at Habitat Flats. He's also had uh, the surgery that Jeff did, so talk about how much easier that's going to make his life during waterfowl season, losing a bunch of weight. So guy's good as gold we hope you enjoy it here he is arliss reed Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world-famous Andy Shaver. That's right. Our dive bomb order should be here today or tomorrow. Well, we'll truck will probably pull up in a minute. Bomp, bomp. As long as I don't have to unload that something. We'll be the only ones here, so it'll be you unloading it. We're the only ones here, so I'm the only one that gets to unload it. Yeah. It's called being the boss. One day you'll be the boss. You'll understand how that shit goes. Hmm. Interesting. Our guest today from Habitat Flats, Arliss Reed. Arliss, is Tony Vandemore unloading that fucking truck, or is he the other people doing it? Um, if he was around and available, he'd help unload it. Um, but sometimes he's just, you know, doing other things. So when, we get to unload them. When you say help, does that mean point fingers and tell someone else to do it? Because that's how I help. Oh, no, no. I got to give Tony all the credit in the world. He, uh, he'd be right there trying to see how many boxes he could lift. Well, see, he's he's younger than me, so he'll he'll get over that one day. I talked to one of my peanut farmers the other day, and I've been wanting to go watch them do the 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 actual the whole thing on the peanuts because it's intriguing to me and very interesting. And the guy who owns it said, "Jeff, you can't come out there." I go, "Why?" He goes, "It's my job to point fingers and tell people what to do. I don't need you out there pointing fingers." Also, I said, "Okay, I understand." That's right. Yeah. We d- we don't need two finger pointers out here because then it's just all chaos. Then. So, too many chiefs. Too many have, chiefs. Have y'all started duck hunting yet? Uh, well, we had uh, youth season this past weekend, and one of our guides has a brother that's 15. So we took him out uh, Saturday and Sunday morning. And Saturday, he shot a limited ducks with a banded green head. It took him about an hour. And then Sunday, we shot a limit for him in like 16 minutes. It was just little ducks teal. And uh, we shot a wood duck, a widgeon, and a pair of gadwalls. But it was a really, really good youth season, which, you know, hopefully, you know, predicates a, a good duck season. But we start main duck hunting in the north zone where the Sumner Lodge is on Saturday, the 30th here. And then we start down here in the middle zone at the Grand on November the 6th. So we have basically two weeks for down here. 
Now, y'all have a bunch of duck snobs that come there, and they want to shoot just green heads. Is that typically a little early? Is it yeah. Thanksgiving before y'all start seeing mostly green heads? Man, it depends on the year. The last two years, we've had all we've got our big push of mallards, and the end of October, we've had snow in the Dakotas. A buddy of mine actually sent me a uh, Snapchat memory from one year ago today in Fargo, and he had ice on the lake behind his house and a couple inches of snow. And today, the high is 50 degrees in Fargo. So a lot of that just depends on what we have for ducks. I'm guessing this year, um, there's plenty of mallards around, but I'm, there'll be a lot more of a mixed bag for the first part of the season. Um, it's funny when guys come that want to shoot all mallards. I tell them, "Listen, I'm a duck hunter, not a mallard hunter, so we're going to we're going to take what we can get." I understand that completely. Do we have ice last year here? Yes, we, the twenty. Well, or is so, it tomorrow? Tomorrow, but Reese's birthday of a year ago, my son, um, it was cold and spitting ice and all that stuff we were out of school for two days on monday and tuesday last year at the same time and it's going to be 90 freaking degrees today and last year the high was 27 or 28 degrees on monday and tuesday i think we were we were out of school for two days i don't think well think we got above freezing for three days i think we had like eighty thousand mallards at the grand last year on like october 27th or 28th and then we we had snow the end of october last year and we haven't had a frost yet. Um, I think we're looking at today. We had a cold front blowing through today. The high is like 52, and the low tonight's like 40. But yesterday it was 71, and we had tornado watches and warnings. Yeah, lots of prayers so for the people in it's West. It's definitely warmer this year. It was, it was a very bad tornado day yesterday in eastern really? Missouri and uh, western uh, Illinois, I believe. Chesterville, one of them towns, got hit pretty hard. Uh, what was your bird? Okay, you said you had 80,000 mallards on October 27th. How many mallards did you think you had on January 1st? So last year, Grand Pass topped out at about 140,000 ducks. And that was on right around right the last week of the season, so January 1st. Last year, Grand Pass never, we never got the big number. You know, Grand Pass is supposed to get 250, 300, 400,000 mallards on it by the end of the season every year. But I think we we're just talking about this today. I think we only ran ice eaters like 10 nights last year. And that's just, it was super, super warm. So, um, it was less than, so you said it topped out at what? 160. Is that what you said? I think 140, 140. And it usually tops out on a, on a good year, quarter million. Yeah. Quarter to half. Woo. Big numbers way down to third down. Now, I don't know that if you've seen this yet because I haven't seen it anywhere other than Andy. So we're getting our weather forecast from Andy this time. Usually it's me and I catch shit. But and I'm getting it from Joe Bastardi. I cite my sources. Good. I cite my sources. Okay. You just find some cockamamie thing on Facebook <laughs> and run with it like it's the gospel. Okay. I cite my sources. Joe Bastardi is saying that by the end of November, we're going to see a snow line from Kansas all the way to Canada. Big winter coming. He says it's going to be an abrupt change from what we've had, correct? He said the endless summer of September and October will have a major reverse in November. And, yeah, like his models show November 28th, um, about midway through Kansas, a snow line, and pretty well all across the continental U.S. So we'll see if he's right. He's usually right. He's very, very accurate. That'd be great for me here at Grand Pass because we have – what happens here is the ducks get – they come to Grand Pass, and when they get froze out of there, they go and sit on the Missouri River. And there's just so much ag ground around here that they go start dry fielding. Now, the end of November might be a little early for that, but 
I guess I'd rather have that than 65 degrees and no breeze. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it just Sunday after Thanksgiving, he's got snow covering the Texas Panhandle. Oh, so, so we- now you're seeing it. Western, I'm looking at it right you're now. Corroborating it it. Western Kansas. Well, I'm not corroborating. I'm just telling what it says. All of Nebraska, all of the Dakotas, big, big, big snowfall. All of North Dakota in the Saskatchewan, Alberta, all the way back to uh, British Columbia, and the uh, other end of out. What's it's? It's British Columbia, fucking Saskatchewan, Alberta. What's the other one over there? It don't matter anyways, Ontario. I guess all of them. Big snow. And if, if it shows where it is, it's all north of Montana and stuff. We That would really help us a bunch because we get a lot of birds out of that area. Well, yeah. I mean, everyone could handle could, could benefit from the Perry Pajol region taking about two feet of snow this winter. Oh, yes. It would be big, cr- crucial come next spring and summer. And I think last winter, other than that big shot in October, the Prairie Pothole region, for the most part, stayed you know snowless and warm right considering so this fall part of north dakota got like the central part of the state got like five inches of rain over the last couple of weeks Mm -hmm. so that'll help because what'll happen there is if we can get some cold weather if the ground freezes when there's still a bunch of sheet water you know the potholes are still full before they have a chance to evaporate and drain the ground freezes the water freezes that water will stay there until the spring right and the sheet water when it melts won't get down to the frozen ground and you know any snow the problem with, the, with north dakota to getting a bunch of snow is it gets so cold that the snow blows away because there's just i mean it's prairie right right so really what you want is good ground water i mean the snow helps but then you know some fall rains that get there and then they freeze because the ice doesn't evaporate you know that's that really helps a lot in the prairie possible I've never thought about that. So that would give an extra sticking mechanism for the snow. That way it doesn't just blow away. If it's got that water underneath. Air, right? The one, once the water is in ice form, it's not going to evaporate or blow away. Right. So okay. that's, you know, that really one is a, is a wet fall and then a good cold to get, to get everything frozen. I've never thought about that. No, right? That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. We don't think about that here because we don't have rain, cold, or snow. So. <laughs> and now that we've talked about this. I guarantee you, we just jinxed it. I saw uh, I saw the most optimistic person I've ever seen in my lifetime. I went by a snowmobile shop in somewhere in the northeast, and they had about 60 snowmobiles in crates still outside. And I thought, you don't see that shit in the north, north and south Dakota anymore because nobody has any faith it's ever going to snow. And that's why it used to be up there also. So maybe we will get some winter this year. I don't know. So how many how many guys you got working under you this year? Um, well, for the last, well, since teal season, there's been like four to six of us that have been here doing, you know, the preseason work, brushing blinds, pump, you know, pumping and brushing pits, getting just everything. You'd think, you know, we, we, we make the list at the end of teal season. Okay. This is what we have to get done before duck season starts. Right. And the list is about two pages long. I think we have like 29 stand up blinds to brush. Um, we use pin oak brush to brush those. And I want to say we have like another, I don't know, 30 or 35 pits that we pump out and brush those with a type of grass we call rip gut. And then, you know, we get that list, you know, chiseled down and we're like, oh, we're getting close to the end. And now it's like, here it is the week four duck season. And there's still always something to do. You know, we'll be busy right up until Friday morning when clients come in Friday afternoon. It's not that we're behind the ball, but there's things like putting the electronics in the blind. You know, we use these things we call, uh, the old mojo bosses it's like a switchboard you can run four mojos off of 
And if you put that out in the timber before we fill the holes, you know, before we're in there hunting, the squirrels leak all the wires off of them. Mm-hmm. So we have to wait until just a couple of days before we're going to be in there hunting to put that stuff out. And then we just got an inch of rain. So we went and, you know, we normally don't deploy decoys until a couple of days before for the same reason. We don't want them to grow legs. We don't want the squirrels to chew on them. But when there's a couple of inches of rain, it makes everything up here. I don't know what it is down there, but the black gumbo mud here, if you get an inch of rain, it'll hold that moisture forever and take forever to be able to drive on it again. So we've been deploying decoys and now I'll have, there'll be seven of us, including myself at the grand, um, that guide and do all the stuff there. And we have, I don't know, 10 or 12 kitchen and housekeeping staff here that I don't have to, you know, we have a great, a wonderful, uh, lodge manager, Sherry, she takes care of everything with that, with the girls and they do a a fantastic job, thankfully, because, that's one of the things we can control, right? Is how good the food is. We can't really control if it's going to be 65 degrees and no wind. So you guys get that. Right. Yeah, we've been down that road all the dove season. I'm glad to know that it's not just us. Like, it, the week leading up to waterfowl season is the biggest shit show and a half around the bay. Really, the week and a half leading up to dove season and then the week and a half leading up to goose season. It is just a shit show everybody's ugly with one another and i'm glad to know that it's not just us because it seems like a rat race every single year now what we do we you know we don't have permanent blinds so um and we just left the brush on the blinds last year every other year we take all the brush off the a-frames and completely start over but uh last year they seem to be holding up pretty well so um, we don't have to start from scratch, luckily, this year. Because last year was a nightmare. We had like 15 A-frames to brush completely, start to finish. So this year, we'll, I mean, we'll redo the tops and everything. Do you guys use the Zinc or the, the AVNX A-frames, or do you use, like, custom-built ones? No, we use Lucky Ducks, the 2x4s, the Lucky Duck 2x4. Uh, and So we have those... Uh, redneck blinds you know the redneck duck blinds that they make now with on the skids yep and they have a, a cover that's like a it's not a tarp but it's not cordora it's like a it's like a waterproof material that's camouflage and we take those covers off and left the grass on last year and got them inside and um, we store a lot of our stuff in storage containers and that grass actually held up a ton and looks great so that saved us two days of brushing redneck blinds yeah yeah, it, it, those things make a big difference. And like I said, uh, last year we had to, we had to, we started completely over. A lot of what happens is, is in those pockets that grass will start to break off, and they'll just little bitty dirt and little bitty grass will like settle in those pockets. Well, when you put new grass in there, that pocket's already full fill, uh, so any kind of wind will just blow that grass out of the pockets, and it doesn't hold worth a shit. So. Two years ago, we completely tore everything apart, emptied out those pockets. Well, last year we had, it was a nightmare. We cut so much grass, but this year that that'll be a that'll be a big uh, leg up for us. But other than that, I mean, you know, we've got our decoys stored away, so we'll get all the trailers and stuff ready. But I hate the week before season. It's because you always doesn't matter what how much you do, you always forget something. Yeah, we've try to keep that to a minimum as far as like you know the the, the rat race but there's always something breaks something that someone forgot like you said or you know something like as simple as you know oh, a squirrel got in and chewed on this and it's only been there for three days now we need to go replace it because we're going to hunt their opening morning 
and somebody's in there in the dark or a generator quit or one of the pumps, you know, I, you never know. Like I go and check my pumps every single day because they're electric. They're either run on, you know, power line electric or on diesel generator electric and the diesel generators. I don't know if you've ever dealt with them very often, but they can be a bear and, you know, you never know what they, they have. They're like a vehicle. Now they have computers inside of them. There's all kinds of moving parts on these diesel generators. And if you don't check them every single day, you never know. You might think, oh, well, the, the pump's fine. Well, it's been off for two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, so, we've made our you know, life so much. We've made our life so much more complicated than we've had to, just like the computers and the diesel generators. Oh, right. Just pump water and make it easy. We've gotten so far away from that. Uh, sounds to me like if I was you, I would be killing over every fucking squirrel I saw. <laughs> oh, we, you, we could use about an army of 12-year-olds <laughs> because there's so many fox squirrels in the woods. That if I have like 112-year-olds, we could deploy. We might be able to make a small dent in them then, but without that, you're just wasting your time. So tell me about this switchboard. What you said you put that in the blinds? How what does it what does it operate? So Mojo, I don't know if Mojo makes them anymore now. We call them I think they're called the decoy boss. It's like a it's a square literally switchboard that's got controls on it. You can control the how long the mojos are off and on, how fast the wings spin. You can turn one on or all four on, and they hook to a, they they convert from a twelve volt uh, car battery. And you can hook four of them. You basically, you hardwire your mojos. We use extension cords. You go in and you cut the, uh, you know, like the little clips that go on the mojo batteries. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your hot, your positive and your negative in there. And inside of an extension cord, there's a positive, negative, and a ground. And you just basically take a, uh, you know, wire nut and some electrical tape, and you just hardwire the, the mojo into the extension cord. Then on the other end. You cut the plug, you know, you cut the other plug off and you put like those, you know what they're called, those little U-channel, you can slide them under like a post, like a battery post. Mm-hmm. And you have little lugs that you just tighten those down and then you can run, we usually generally run three mojos in our timber holes and you just, you can turn them on, turn them all on, turn them all off at the same time from inside the blind. And that takes away, you know, remotes and having to recharge batteries. And, you know, if you put two deep cycle batteries in your blind, you're good for... I don't know, two weeks like that if they're good batteries. So you and don't charge your that way you but, don't charge your spinners every night. It, it's hardwired in. Well, it depends. If the guys that hunt out in the fields and in, in the cornfields and in the moist soil units, right. they charge mojos and bring mojos every. Day. The guys in the timber holes, you know, we we try and set those blinds up with permanent mo, with permanent mojo rigged, so they don't have to be charged them. And also, like some of our places, you know. We're, we're hunting ducks, we're hunting traffic ducks in the woods. And the ducks, you know, they might, they might be 10,000, 20,000 ducks that get up out of the corn at one time and fly back to the refuge. So when that big wave starts, we shut the mojos off and don't call out. Because you don't want to start, you start the front half or even the middle of that bunch of ducks, you might get five, six, seven thousand 7,000 ducks landing in a tiny timber hole. And you're not going to shoot into that many ducks. You don't want to educate that many ducks to decoys and all that stuff. So it's nice to be able to just, here comes the big wave, you know, okay, shut it off. Right. And we shut the, you know, shut the wings off. Or if, if, if guides are out there in the hole, you know, cleaning up cripples, picking up ducks, whatever, making an adjustment, you just flip the mojos off with one switch. And that way you don't have, 
ducks working you while you we got guys in the decoys and you know it's kind of like a like a stop go thing like all right, i'm shutting the wings off i'm gonna be out in the decoys nobody shoot till i get back mm-hmm. that's fascinating so it, you know, it helps with a safety aspect that how, who the hell rigged that up that's fascinating uh, mojo made them for years and i don't like i said i don't know if they still do they were and we've had we they're like one of those things that like a mojo mallard machine it's like a a motion it's like a, a troll motor prop with three arms you put three decoys on you hook that to a battery and you press it and it pulls the decoys under the water and it creates motion but mojo stopped making that right so we have some left but we treat them like you know they're like gold like there's only five working mallard machines left we you know we got to make sure these things get taken care of as best they can and the same thing with the bosses because once they once they the ones that we have break we're out but I mean, I'm sure an electrician or someone like that could probably sort something like that out. But it's it was called the decoy boss, and I don't know if they make it anymore or not. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea. So this big wave, um, when it comes, would you shoot into like the the latter part of it? Like if you if you worked a, a group towards the tail end of that big wave, or do you just kind of once that wave starts, you just let it all finish? I mean, you generally let the big wave go, um, you know, and it's hard to tell, you know, it's like, okay, here comes, you know, you're watching for a while. Okay. 10,000 ducks just flew over and you wait and wait and wait and wait. Okay. Okay. I think they're gone. And we flip the wings back on, but then there might be another 50 pack that comes after them and you'll shoot them, you know, but, or whatever. I mean, a single to 50 is about what I, I try not to shoot in groups of ducks over 50 unless we're in the dry field in the late season, because you guys know how it is. You you can't help it sometimes because if you don't shoot the first 150 there in the decoys, if you wait a minute, there's 500. Right. Because when they get dry coming off the river, is when there's three, four hundred thousand ducks and they come in giant bunches and you can't help it. You might as well shoot the first bunch that's in. Do y'all do a bunch of dry land shooting up there? We do more here at the Grand than we do in Sumner, and it's funny. It's only like a 35 miles distance in between the two lodges. But for some reason, the ducks in Sumner don't really want a dry field. Now they will, but they don't generally want to. And the ducks at Grand Pass, they drive, I mean, we've shot them in, you know, November in dry fields before. So we, you know, we definitely do more dry fielding at the Grand than they do in Sumner. Do you, uh, um, do you have clients that complain whenever you don't shoot at that big, uh, the big water, you tell them up front, like, listen, they get a free pass. Uh, Generally, most of our clients are return clients and they've been here and they know the deal. Um, We don't really have that big wave at the grand so much as they do in Sumner. And, you know, some new guys, man, well, once you explain it to them, you know, listen, the guys before you into them, the guys after you aren't going to shoot into them. And you got, we're not going to shoot into them. And that way we'll continue to have ducks here all season that aren't, you know, don't have a PhD in duck hunting. Yeah. It, it's, it's a fine line that you have to walk. Cause you know, <clears throat> so many people think, well, by God, I paid my money. Like I've got, I can do whatever the hell I want out here. And it's like, well, let's pump the brakes a little bit with that attitude. Like, you know, this is a marathon for us. It might just be two, it might just be two days for you, but this is a marathon for us. Yeah. And ultimately we have to do what's best for everybody and it's a fine line to, to walk but you have to i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna do this for three months out of the year you better have 
a little bit of long-term thinking on your side. Or you're going to get to Christmas oh, to, for us because, you know, we go to February. You're going to get to Christmas, and January is going to be a ball buster. Yeah. A lot of times when we get – our ducks will start to get nocturnal on us here. Mm-hmm. And we'll hunt – We'll, we'll shut off in the afternoon in the corn. Like, we won't hunt after one or two, depending on the time of year. And a lot of the clients are like, well, I don't have a limited ducks yet. Well, you know, I'm sorry, that, you know, and I, I know that sucks. We can go somewhere else, but we're not going to hunt in the corn after this time because we have to get the ducks off that nighttime cycle. Right. And that get them off. You leave them alone in there in the afternoon. Or the best thing is for, like, a weather event. You get a a big rain or a big cold front snow, something like that. It'll get them back on a, a daytime pattern, but it's hard to get ducks off a nocturnal pattern. Once they figure out they can go out there and feed all night and not get messed with, it's tough. And, you know, sometimes giving them, giving them the afternoon to not get shot at in the corn is what it'll help a lot, you know, for your late morning to noontime hunting. But, you know, we have wetland units, timber holes that we'll take guys and we can hunt all day if we have to. Generally, we like to obviously go out shoot limb by 9 o'clock and some, come back and, you know, kick back for the afternoon. But if we have to hunt all day, we will. Sure. I mean, in a perfect world, that, that that's what happens. What's your theory on why the birds will go nocturnal? What's your thinking? I've heard I've heard everything from, you know, moon cycles to warm weather to pressure. What, uh, what does Arliss think? I think if you put all that stuff in a bowl and kind of mix it up and there's your answer. Right. Um, Obviously full moon, you know, ducks are. So when I was in college, we did these things called activity budgets, right. For, for ducks. So what it is, is you go out to a refuge and you take a spot scope and you pick out one duck and you watch that one duck for a set amount of time, five minutes, 10 minutes, seven minutes, whatever it is. And every 10 seconds or every 30 seconds, you're recording what that duck's doing. And they're either feeding, resting, preening, or social, which is where they like are chasing each other around and all that. And ducks that are content are feeding or are resting and preening, right? So they're they don't need to eat, they don't need to, you know, it's warm enough out, they got enough of a good food source. So when it's 70 degrees or 65 degrees, there's no wind blowing, they know that there's a big moon tonight. We're just gonna sit here and enjoy this weather and we're gonna conserve energy, right? We're not going to fly around and risk getting our, ourselves shot in the ass. We're going to just sit here. But, okay, now it's 20 degrees colder or the wind's blowing a little harder. Okay, I know that just sitting here, I'm, I'm burning energy. I need to go find food to continue to maintain my body fat level to be able to make it to, you know, Arkansas to spend the winter and then make it back to the prairie pothole to have a successful nest. So a lot of that stuff, okay, so back to your question. Now it's 50 degrees out. We last time we flew out in the corn in the daylight or we moved in the daylight, we got shot at. Mm-hmm. So now I don't need to move when it's 50 degrees out, no wind blowing. It's 35 degrees. I'm freezing my, my butt off. I need to go feed. I'm going to risk it. Right. Right. But you know, the moon phase is definitely one. Cause when it, when it's a full moon, the ducks feed at night, regardless, it just happens to be, if there's a full moon when it's cold, whether or not they'll fly during the day. Right. Right. You know, like here at Grand Pass that, the public area they hunt until 1 p.m. and people, you know, everybody that hunts Grand Pass say the ducks here can tell time because at 1:30 it's like a beehive over there. <laughs> ducks, no, okay, everybody's gone. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy how but, that happens. Know, that's, a, that's a pressure. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, all. That's pressure. That's a pressure. Like moon phase pressure, temperature, 
time of the year, you know, you get new ducks and they just fly around and then, you know, everybody looking, always quote, quote unquote, looking for new ducks. Oh, we saw new ducks today or stale ducks, you know, ducks that are quote unquote stale. They know where the blinds are. They know what decoys are. They know when to fly, when not to fly. They show up one minute after shooting time and leave one minute before shooting time, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Those are pressured ducks. Yeah, for sure. They, they, right. w- when they start telling time, you, you're, they're, they're getting, right. they're getting shot at. It was that way in Oklahoma four or five years ago. Had it, and it was also warm, yeah. so it was like sixty-five in the evening time. And then, as soon as you pull that first decoy up or unload the first shotgun, well, here come the ducks. It was warm, and they were pressured. Yeah. It's just like, well, I mean, there's, there's no answer here. There's nothing I can do. No. An amazing. There's like one thing to say. The amazing thing is the customers that will complain about that. Well, they didn't fly till dark. Okay, I'll yeah. put in a complaint with their head you boss. Know, what, what, how do you expect it? We're, we're showing you we're on the hot spot. There's 5,000 ducks now in the air right here. All of a sudden, we're picking up decoys, and they're trying to land on us. It's because of the weather. Now, if it was 15 degrees cooler, those ducks would have flown an hour earlier probably. Right. But it's just part of it. If it's, you know, it's clear, it's no, there's just nothing to make them go. Plus, they're smart. These birds are getting hammered. You know, we are at October the 25th today, and some of these ducks have been getting shot for eight weeks already. That's right. I mean, they... they September 1st in Canada. Yeah. They goes and they start... You know, it's... <laughs> It's just like turkey hunting. You know, if a tom turkey could smell, you'd never kill one. Never. And duck, it's a miracle that you guys can shoot anything after, you know, they've flown the whole flyway of getting shot at since they were six weeks old, some of them. Yeah. You know, and there's hen mallards that are 20 years old. You know, she knows exactly where to take that brood. And, like, they'll show up at Grand Pass or, you know, Squaw Creek or Silver Lake, you know, any other Swan Lake in Sumner. They'll show up there in the middle of the night, and it's like, how do you know where to go? How how do you get here in the dark? <laughs> but it's because that hen mallard brought her brood there, or you know that that lead hen in that flock took them in there because she's been coming there for ten years, and her mother showed her where it was for ten years, and you know they they get smart, and they it's it's crazy how they figure that migration always blows my mind too. Like how do they know? Like a hen mallard who has a nest that's successful will go back to that same exact spot the following year and lay the nest in the same exact spot. Yeah, it's, it's it's like how does she go two thousand miles and then back to the same spot? I, like I, a blue winged teal that flies to that flies to where Argentina hmm. or Cuba, and then back to the Dakotas or Saskatchewan to nest. Yeah, I um I'm a firm believer now on calendar birds this year more than ever in 30 years of doing this. Absolutely. I believe in calendar birds more right now today than I ever have because it's 90 degrees today. We ran, we ran geese off of our peanut fields today that we just got combined and we ran geese in what do you think? 5,000 in that video that you had Andy? Give or take. Yeah. Yeah, Probably 5,000 birds. There's probably 15, 20,000 birds here. Maybe I guess. Why would fifteen to twenty thousand birds be in West Texas, October twenty fifth, when it's yeah. been ninety degrees, a ton in the last two months? We haven't had a cold day yet. The specs, yeah, the specs rolled through here right around the seventh eighth of October, and it was hot. And I mean, the spe- I mean, we were hunting early. Se- our, our early honker season, I think, is like the first full week in October, and we were seeing specs at the end of it. And we can't shoot them in here then, but. Um, they rolled through here hard, and then there's still a bunch of them here. 
I bet I'm seeing more speckled bellies here now than I ever have. And this will be my, I think, seventh season at HF. And it seems to me like, for one thing, there's a ton of juvies this year. Like, you know, we, we watch them fly over, and there's lots and lots of juvie specks this year. Um, but there's more of them sticking around now than there ever has been. And, like, this morning I saw my first snow goose of the year. I think it's a Rossi probably feeding with a bunch of specks. But, yeah, that calendar thing, I mean, the pintails that come through during teal season are right at the end of teal season, and then they keep right on going to Arkansas, even though it's literally 100 degrees in Missouri. Mm-hmm. You know, we get t- – typically our calendar mallards here are November 10th, and this year we might have them because as cold as it's been. And, like I said, there's some mallards around, but there's not a ton right now. Um, nothing like the last two years as far as early ducks, um, but it's also been we haven't had a frost. I think we as hunters just assume that ducks are all shitty cold weather birds because you can go to the Texas coast and they have the tree ducks that are there all summer. They've got the fulvous Mexican brown duck, whatever hell you want to call them, they're there all summer. And you can go to any city park anywhere in the United States today and see wild mallards that have made that their new home. Absolutely. I think we just assume it's got to be cold and shitty for a duck to like it because you can go to Disney World right now and there's probably a thousand mallards living in Disney World that eating popcorn all day long and happy as hell and they're wild ducks. Well, look at the Canada geese. I mean, the resident Canada goose population in the U.S. is, I mean, they hunt resident Canada's in Alabama now. Yep. You know, like, they, those geese shouldn't be there. They shouldn't have stayed there for as long as they have and they just figured it out. Okay, we're, we can have a successful nest here, and we don't get shot at, and we don't have to fly back to, you know, Boreal Canada to, to lay a nest. Why don't we just stay here? Well, there, there's a lot of truth to that. I and, grew, up, I grew up in Wichita Falls. We didn't have a goose there, and it's right. there's two or three, four thousand local geese probably that are there now that weren't there 15 years ago. I grew up in upstate New York. And I can remember being like, I want to say I was like 12 or 13, 14 years old when the first September goose season started and the limit was five. And we used to go around and ask farmers to goose hunt and they would be like, you want to do what? You want to shoot the geese? Yeah, sure. Go for it. And now the limit's 15 and there's a spread in every field and all the geese that are, that fly out to fields that can get shot at, get shot at. And all the rest of them stay in the parks and in cities and in, you know, places they are farmers that don't allow hunting. It's like the geese know where they get shot at and where they don't. But, you know, it's, that was, you know, I guess like 20, almost 25 years ago now that that all was going, you know, we were just starting resident goose hunting in upstate New York. And now it's like a destination to go do it. People, you know, dive bomb guys go up there and hunt and, you know, they, you get those molt migrators up there along the Canadian border. It's great. It's fun. But it's so much different than it was when I first started doing it. Where where at in upstate New York did you grow up at? Where am I from? Yes. Um, about ten about ten miles from the Canadian border, and uh, right along the St. Lawrence River up there in the Thousand Island region. So right next to Fort Drum, Watertown. We're going. Um, we're we're little bitty town. Go ahead. We're going on vacation this summer up there somewhere, and we don't know where we're going to go at yet, but we're going to go to upstate New York, take the grandkids, rent a house on a lake somewhere, a river. Okay. Uh, there's a, What do you want to do? Do you want to fish? Do you want to sightsee? What do you want to do? We want to let my grandkids sightsee, and we, we want to sightsee. They want to fish, raft, canoe, 
kayak, whatever, just just a family outing for a week to get out of the hot summer in July here and go up there and probably somewhere around uh, somewhere in the Adirondacks. So, you know, there's there's lots of places you can fly into Syracuse and drive an hour and a half north of the Thousand Islands, get an Airbnb, and do all the things you just listed. Um, there's water parks and, you know, all kinds of stuff for kids to do. Uh, yeah. Hit me up uh, later in the year, and we'll, uh, I'll, help you, I'll help you plan that. Well, we're going to do that, so keep it in mind and think about it. If you think of a good place and someone's got an Airbnb or VRBO up there, that's what we're looking at. Yeah. What took you down to yeah, Habitat uh, Flats? What's that? What took you down to Habitat Flats? Well, I I worked uh, started on the Avery Pro staff in like 2010, probably, and I was working for the USDA for an agency called Wildlife Services at the time, uh, shooting birds at airports and landfills and trapping beavers and shooting deer on airports and doing all that wildlife damage stuff, and then Avery needed a new territory manager in like 2000, late 2014, early 2015. So I applied for that job for the Atlantic Flyway Territory, um, which is like 14 states up and down the seaboard, like South Carolina and Maine over to Ohio and Michigan. And with no sales experience, something like that, I just knew all the product and, you know, good people, person, all that. They gave me a shot and, I, and they hired me. Um, and that was right at the time, unfortunately, when Avery was being bought by Bandit. Right. And I was working... I worked with Kate Vandemore, Tony's wife. Uh, she was in charge of social media, media marketing for Avery Outdoors at that time. And we would sit together at sales team meetings and we got along, you know, became friends. And uh, that's actually when I first met Tony was when I was working for Avery. And Avery got bought by Banded. Um, they had a sales guy in my same territory who was the Avery territory manager before me. And, you know, business is business. They said, you know, sorry, but you know, we have somebody in this position and they end up having to lay me off. And that happened on August and or Wednesday in August, 2015. Um, Thursday morning, I text Kate asking her if Tony needed any help because that was the year that HF started uh, the Central Prairie Lodges with Cooper and those guys up out in Kansas and up in Canada. So Kate, you know, said, I mean, who's asking? And I told her what had happened and uh, said, yeah, sure, send Tony an email. And that was on Thursday. And on Friday morning, I had a job at Habitat Flats. Nice. Great so, story. Isn't that crazy? Like it worked out. When when you yeah, see how I've been here well I ended up taking a year off from July two thousand eighteen to July two thousand nineteen. I went and worked as a regional director in New York for Ducks Unlimited. And you know, Ducks Limited is a great organization. Um, but selling raffle tickets at a VFW on a Friday night really isn't the, the life for me. I, I really like the guiding and the habitat management and you know, all of that. And they opened the grand and, you know, I said to Tony, I was like, man, I'd love it if you had a spot for me to be able to come back. And he ended up um, hiring me back and actually, you know, had me kind of run the show here at the grand. I have, you know, like I said, I've got six, seven guys that work for me and, you know, Cooper Olmstead, who's been on your show, you guys know Coop. Mm -hmm. He's uh, he works here at the grand and, you know, Coop's like my, you know, my right hand man. I can lean on him to do, you know, he helps with all everything I need to help with. And it's great having Coop here. But yeah, I, uh, I end up coming back in, in July 2019, and I don't see myself going anywhere anytime soon, that's for sure. I'm, this is home. Isn't it crazy how when you think about how big Avery was, and then now they're, you know, they're, they're trying to rebrand themselves, basically? 
But I mean, when you think when you think yeah. back to like 2000, 2001 to three to four, like it was Avery. It was Avery's game. It was Avery's game to lose. They were humongous, and then they just disappeared. Well, I mean, I think you know at that time there really wasn't, and it, well. There was a lot of keys to Avery's success. They had some really, really, really good and smart people in the right places in their organization. And they had, I mean, they had the Fred Zinks of the world, the Tony Vandemores of the world, Field and Clay Hudnall, um, you know, Sean Stahl. Anybody who was anybody in the in the waterfall industry in the early 2000s worked for Avery Outdoors. The only guy that didn't was Jeff. And I think Jeff Foyles might even had something to do with Avery at some point. You know, and there's, you know, a few other guys, but I mean, just for the most part, Avery, they had the market corner. Now you look at it now and there's Avian X, you have Dive Bomb, you have Hardcore, you have, you know, Final Approach, all these other companies that are out there that make a great product. And Avery is just one of those companies now. And it's unfortunate because, you know, I grew up cutting my teeth, you know, an Avery guy. I remember the days of the old Avery forum. You go have a good hunt. You go post a picture and write up the story of the Avery forum, you know, on the Avery forum. And, you know, you learn tons of, I learned tons of stuff just from watching, you know, Fred's old uh, In the Blood, you know, 24-7 series. And now, you know, like even growing up watching the F5 Habitat Flats videos, hunting snow geese. You know, we try and see how they had stuff set up. And, you know, hunting snow geese in New York was a little different than hunting here. But at the end of the day, it's all the same thing. Do you think that they, do you think that they tried to get, do you think that they were too big? Is it because, I mean, they had decoys, they had apparel, they had blinds. Do you think that it got to be this monster that was too big for to, to get a handle on everything? Or do you think, because right around that time, 2010, the economy was also in the shitter. Well, I know one thing that guys, no matter what the economy is like, they like to spend money on duck hunting still. True. I mean, duck hunting is one of the most expensive games you can get in, right? So... I guess the best uh, answer I have for you there is I think they just made a few too many changes uh, at the wrong time. And there was a little bit, a few people who, you know, were making the wrong decisions Mm -hmm. and, you know, like packaging changes on decoys in China in June. And if that packaging change doesn't happen, those decoys get down the ship, get put in a container and ship across in June and they're in they're in the U.S. in the end of July in time to be shipped to their dealers. Because you got to remember, Avery wasn't a dealer direct. You know, they, they relied solely on the, the backs of dealers. Right, like Cabela's, and Cabela's right? I, well, Cabela's or any of the mom-and-pop places all across. I mean, I had like, I want to say I had like 75 retailers that's, that, you know, were Avery dealers when I was a salesman for them. And the guys in the northern part of the country that have September goose season starting are not getting their honker full bodies or layout blinds in until maybe into September. If they got them in July when they're supposed to, they get, they get them in, they get bought. Everybody's happy. Well, when the stuff doesn't go in the container in China until July, because they had to change all the boxes because the person in charge didn't like the pictures on the box. Um, then they don't get shipped in time. They don't get to the retailer in time, and then they don't get sold. So the next year, the retailer doesn't buy as many decoys because I don't have faith that they're going to show up in time. Right. You know, and a lot of those people are not at Avery anymore, and, you know, Bandit is taking over, and there's still some really good people at Avery, you know, at Bandit and Avery that, um, 
that I, you know, talk to still that I used to work with. And those guys are the right people that are supposed to be there. And I think that's why Avery is now kind of coming back to where, you know, I think I would be surprised if Avery came back around to be the top dog at some point. I, w- I think one of the things that hurts today, it's, it, it, it hurts the same thing that's changed everything is the internet. And people don't have to get, like, if we're going to buy something around here, we, we have mostly sponsors anyway, so we don't purchase much anything anyways. But for the average guy that, that hunts with us or listens to podcasts and they buy something, they don't go to Cabela's no more. They go straight direct and they look online for what they want. They go to Instagram. That's what that's what's crazy. I bought I bought a new pair of bibs. I bought a pair of Carhartt bibs because my old bibs took a shit on me and um, I don't do Sitka. So there's not much in the way of waterfowl bibs if you're not gonna go Sitka and you're not gonna go banded. I went Carhartt. The motherfuckers are going to last. They're, they're going to outlive me. I went to Instagram yep. to see which pair of Carhartt bibs I wanted to order. That's where I went. And did you and buy then, them right on Instagram? Yeah. I didn't buy them on Instagram, but that's where, I, that's where it sold me on the pair of bibs that I was going to get. It's based off of what I saw on their Instagram. Everybody out there that's buying their own shit well, looking- makes them feel better to know that you bought your own shit and you didn't get it free. Oh, yeah. Well, you look at Dive Bomb, they're dealer direct, and Cody and those guys do a great job. I mean, they have great customer service. You know, they, you call them, you talk to a live human in the U.S., and they, you know, take care of any problems that you have over the phone. I mean, if you look at the guys on the internet, Kyle Jones and, you know, Asher and all those guys, they are, you, you, go, on, you go on the Dive Bomb forum, and if there's any problem that's on there, Kyle or Asher or one of those guys is answering that problem within minutes. Yes. You know, and they'll say, okay, your DMs, give me a call. We'll make it right. You know, and it's like, that's for guys like me who grew up, like you said, buying stuff. Or, you know, I can remember going through the Cabela's catalog to place my order on stuff. Tearing that page out, writing what you wanted, and then sending it that way? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then it's like the the internet, and we can go online and order it from Cabela's online. Oh, I want to go try this on in the store. Now you go to a Cabela's or a Bass Pro and, you know, I'm sure that part of it is COVID, but they don't have the stuff in stock and they don't have, you know, she might as well just, okay, I'm just going to order it online. Right. You know, and it's, I, I hate it because I used to love going to Cabela's and I love, love going to Bass Pro and places like that to go check stuff out. You know, that'd be a thing. What are you, oh, we're going to Cabela's today. Let's load up and go have lunch and go to Cabela's. Yeah. I went to Bass Pro, you know, sh- I, went, I went to Bass Pro shops two weeks ago. First time I've been in a Bass Pro Shop or a Cabela's in three years, I bet. I'm sure. And I went in there and I, I bought a I did I bought I bought a jacket that I wanted. I went, I bought a coat. I about me me and you are in the same boat. We're having to buy smaller shit, so I had to go buy a skinnier boy's coat. Still a fat boy, but it was a little skinnier than the ones by. Had less X's in front of it, so I went and bought me a coat before we went up north yeah. the other day. And that's the first time I've been in one of them stores forever. And I walked through the waterfowl section just to look around. And it reminded me of shopping at Walmart. It just was nothing there. But if you call Dive Bomb, you talk to Cody, you talk to Kyle, you talk to Asher, you talk to Forrest, you talk to somebody there that knows what's going on. When you call Boss, you get to talk to Zach or Brandon. I mean, you don't, you're, you're actually, what other time in our life do you actually get to talk to someone that speaks English that knows what the product is inside and out can help you? And that's where these companies are winning is because of customer service. It's funny, we get a lot of clients here that like call and Tony answers the phone. They're like, I can't believe I actually talked to Tony to book my hunt there. Right. Yeah. And it's like, 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm sure when they call you guys, they talk to you, don't they, Jeff? Oh, yeah, I'm the only some bitch who knows how to answer a phone around here. So, yeah, they're going to talk to me. But I get that all the time, too. Is this Jeff? Yeah, I can't believe you answer a phone. Well, who the fuck else you think is going to answer the damn thing? Nobody. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, people are mindful that it's Tony, Tony Vandemore answering the phone. It's like, yeah, yeah, he's just a regular guy. He's just doing run. I bet he mows his own yard, too. Sometimes. Yeah, well. Jeff Stanfield does not. I I feel <laughs> my kids are getting robbed because I can remember the end of summer, you would get the Max Prairie Wing catalog in, you would get the Cabela's magazine in, and I never did. I was always Cabela. We got Bass Pro in Dallas before we got uh, Cabela's, and I was like, motherfucker, when are we going to get a Cabela's? Because they were centered around waterfowl. Um, and then we finally yeah. got – but but I can remember end of July, first part of August, you would I'd get those two magazines in. And it was so it was like Christmas. Yeah. Hunting season is almost here. Let me go through these magazines, and it was it was you know page turning. I can remember buying calls out of, from those magazines based off of what I saw in the Max Prairie Wings magazine. And my kids aren't going to have that now. It's a different way of shopping, but it, it was. You'd get those magazines in, and you're like, here we go, boys. When we were in college, we would take a weekend and go to the Eastern Outdoor Show, that big one there in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Yep. And then we go, or I'm sorry, it's, is it Hamburg? Or, yeah, anyway, it's in Harrison. Pennsylvania. Harrisburg. Harrisburg. That's right, yeah. The show's in Harrisburg and the Cabela's is in Hamburg. So we would go get a hotel room, go to the show, go to Cabela's. It'd be like a weekend. It'd be like a thing to go do. And then now it's like, I can't tell you the last time I was in the Cabela's. Maybe last year in Kansas City or something. I don't even know. Yeah. You know, it's too bad. If, you know, they Cabela's is the cool. It's like a museum and some of those big Cabela's, all the mounts and the fish and all that stuff. Yeah. And now nobody goes to Harvey. Unless you're like up Shit's Creek and like a piece of your equipment took a shit and like you need it tomorrow. We have Rogers sporting goods within like an hour and a half from both lodges mm -hmm. so and we have a good relationship with those guys and if we need something we go to rogers or you know we can call them and say hey I, I, i'm on my way can you set it aside sure no problem but you know cabela's and bass pro is just a little bit further away than rogers but you know we try and you know we we go to all of them both of those well they're one now they're a bass pro shop only and, and i think that hurts also and the, and the guy's worth Five hundred billion dollars. So it's not like anything I'm going to tell him is something that's going to cost him in his pocketbook because he damn sure knows how to make money and I don't. But they missed the boat on not doing more outfitter type deals and being exclusive with outfitters and keeping them on pro staffs and cutting them a hell of a deal just because they would use their product all the time. I really think they screwed the pooch on that deal. Yeah, I mean it's unfortunate. A lot of our guys, you know, wear Sitka and stuff like that and. Because, like, the waiters, like, I used to love Cabela's waiters. And now, I mean, I still don't have a pair of sick of waiters. I'm almost probably to where I can fit into them now. But uh, <laughs> they, but I still am a Cabela's waiter guy. Um, I've got breathables and trying to get a new pair of super mags, but they're back ordered everywhere. I think they're probably sitting in a container in the Pacific Ocean someplace, but I'm not sure about that. I saw a video yesterday of a container ship that lost half its containers off the top. A big wave hit him and went off. And I thought, Those some poor, poor some poor fucker is waiting for shit to keep his doors open in business, and he has been waiting. And he's not getting them for sure now. It's at the bottom of the ocean, you ought to look at uh, y'all look oh. at Shin Gear. Shin Gear, uh, they can customize your top. You can get your boot yeah, size and customize I your top. Still, 
I haven't spent the thousand dollars on the sickle waders yet, and I'm not sure about the eleven hundred dollars on the shin gear ones for uh, something that if I get it caught getting out is going to be just as useless as a hundred dollar pair of you know throwaway ones. You just got to bite the bullet. You got to bite the bullet. D- right. Dive in with both feet. <laughs> yeah, I, we'll see. I actually, uh, yeah, I, I've got a pair of, of eight fire waders that I'm going to give a shot this year. Of what? The new Aspire by Bandit or Avery. I guess they're Bandit. Um, they're like their high-end, breathable. They're like the next step above the black labels, but they're uninsulated. Oh, okay. I got you. The one thing I did see that Avery was doing that I thought was a smart move is they've got that Heritage line. It's all like solid colors. And as popular as that solid oh, yeah. tin cloth stuff is now, I, I think, and I guess they, I think they started that like two years ago. It looks really good, and I think that oh, was very, very smart. You know, everybody's kind of going to that Filson look, and that was smart. I have a uh, – well, hat. I gave it away. The other day. I had one of their uh, heritage sweaters. Oh, yeah. That is now way too big for me. I have uh, – I still have the waiter jacket. Only now I can wear it outside of my waiters, but it's a, a oiled, wax, you know, wax canvas jacket. It's like a Filson jacket, and I wore it this morning. I love it. Uh, it's not – 100% waterproof like Gore-Tex, but if it's not flat pouring, it's a great jacket. I mean, it's, it blocks the wind like, you know, it's a great outer layer. Um, I, if you're going to think about getting one of those, I would. I recommend them highly. Yeah, it's 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 good stuff. I mean, everything, that's what's crazy, too. Like, now there's, there's so many good lines out there. Have you noticed, Arliss, you're having a hard time mm-hmm. finding fat friends to give all your old clothes to? <laughs> it's funny. I have one buddy that's uh, – I brought him over probably, I don't even know. I don't even want to think about how much money worth of clothing it was. But And he's like, I got to give you something. I'm like, yeah, no, you don't. She gives me $200. I'm like, that's, you know, whatever. But it was like Under Armour stuff, Carhartt stuff, Sitka stuff, you know, Cabela stuff. It's just too big for me now. So I just gave it to, Ju- to my buddy Justin and, uh, you know whatever i hope i'd rather do that than you know throw it away now is that kind of a slap in the face to your buddy you give it like listen i'm way too skinny for these but you're a big ass jeff is that is that nah, he knows he knows but fat guys know they're fat he knows. you know we're, we're fat yeah. fat men aren't like fat women we we know what <laughs> fucking we we know fat women don't know because you can tell the shit they wear fat guys knows he's fat there's there ain't no doubt about it have you can you sit i mean in a booth yet Oh yeah, yep. That, that's that's a win-win when you can go sit in a restaurant, and sit in the booth. Yeah, I uh, went to dinner with a couple of my friends the other day, and I slid in the booth, and they're like, "Huh, okay." <laughs> and I was like, "I guess." <laughs> yeah, on an airplane the other day, I kept moving the fucking thing up and down, up and down, up and down. And Michelle goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "It's just a good feeling to be able to layer that damn deal down without sitting on my belly." Yeah, I can set the steering wheel on the Ranger all the way to the bottom now. Yeah, have you uh, have you fat shamed anyone yet? Because I'm a fat shamer now. Because I see someone fat, and I'm thinking they need to have surgery. And Andy gets on to me all the time about that. I don't. I would never probably do that. Uh, but I mean, if anybody ever wanted to ask me about you know this the surgery that I had and all that, and you know, people think it's throwing me. If you ever think it's the easy way out, I'll tell you to go kick rocks because it is not. I mean, it is, like, by far the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but I would never tell somebody, oh, you should do it. If anybody wants to do it, absolutely. But 
We uh, I witnessed a big argument just last week about all this. What? The easy way out. Oh, yeah. I, I got told I, it was the easy way out the other day. It's not easy. Not way. by me. Not by no, me. No, it, it's, it's not an easy way out at all. Now. It's a quicker way. It's a quick way. But I've changed. I, I've had to change a lot of things I do, and, and you feel uncomfortable. I've been fortunate. Just so everybody knows, Arliss and me had surgery at the same place. But I have not had to. I haven't been sick. I, get, I, I don't feel good sometimes if I eat too much, and I know, and I'm learning my boundaries. And I have not been eating good because I eat a lot of stuff that tastes good because since COVID, things don't taste good to me. And unfortunately, Oreos taste good. Ritz crackers taste good with cheese. Uh, ice cream sandwiches taste good. Sweet tea tastes good. <laughs> Coffee tastes okay. But that's it. And, and water. And that's what I have. And then I eat accordingly to some things that taste good and some things don't. So I don't eat anything fried, though. I had a piece of fried chicken last night. And that's it. But I don't eat like French fries and shit like that. I don't ever get anything fried. Fried stuff don't taste good anyways. See, for me, I haven't had any sugar really. And I know I've, I had a piece of cornbread the other day and it had like sugar on the top of it. And it was just a little piece and it made me feel like crap. And I was like, okay, good. I can't eat sugar. I didn't, I haven't tried anything like that. No candy, no nothing. I haven't had any fast food. I haven't had any soda. Um, all I drink now is Gatorade Zero water with uh, crystal light in it, uh, Propel water, straight water. I haven't had hardly any caffeine. I haven't had, you know, anything that I'm not really not supposed to have. You know, I, I know I can only eat so much, right? So I'll have like a pure protein protein bar, which tastes like a candy bar, but it's got like two carbs in it. And it's 20 grams of protein. I'll have that for breakfast or, or you know, lunchtime. If I order, if we go to a restaurant, I'll order a chicken sandwich and I eat the bun, you know, and like a grilled chicken sandwich or something like that. But for me, the hardest thing is like, I haven't, not that I was an alcoholic before, but I like to go out and have a good time. And it's not even hard anymore. I haven't had a drop of alcohol since in August 7th. Um, I haven't had, I used to love diet Pepsi. I haven't had, obviously I'm not supposed to drink soda. I haven't had any soda in months. Um, but it's just, you know, the hard part for me was like the, the liquid diet part of it beforehand, the liquid diet afterwards, and then, like, just the simple fact of knowing, okay, I need to keep hydrated. I need to make sure I get my protein goals. And, I mean, I've lost 73 pounds since, like, August 7th. So you're you're, you're still a rookie on this not eating. Why? Because I was the same way when right. I was at his stage because it didn't – they have they – what stage are you at? Are you done now? Are you no, completely – hold on a second. You're, you're getting good habits. Like, this is, this is like, what you – like – Chicken and staying away from the beer and staying away from the soda because I know people that have said like, you know, they tell you not to drink a soda, but I drink a soda. Like, well, you know, no, whatever. no, no. But what I'm saying, so like, right, he's week fucking 10. Fucking stay away, right? If you, you can. Are you week twelve now? What week are you on? No, I think like the only thing I can't have right now are like raw seeds, like peanuts or lettuce. Yeah, see, he's at the Everything same. Everything else is. Yeah. I, I went through that same stage that you went through, exactly the same deal, because they've got what, what stage you can have certain things at. And and I'm past all that, but I don't drink sodas. I have not had a soda since March, and I, and I don't miss yeah. a soda. Um, I drink a beer every once in a while. I've been, I, I drink Speaking these sour which, beers. Fucking awful. Oh, I like them. The sour beers that's are terrible. good because they taste good to me, but I might, ha- I might have one every three nights. I might have one beer, but that's it. I don't, but I, I, I don't drink a whole lot. 
Now, Mexico with Logan Pyatt. Logan, you know Logan. Logan's a bad influence on me. Okay. So I drank a whole lot yeah. in Mexico with him that I would normally not have done. But we drank mudslides like a bunch of bitches is what me and him drank down there. See, we just had the Sumner Wild Goose Festival this past weekend. And Sumner, the population of Sumner is like 104. And during Goose Festival, there'll be over 1,000 people in town. There's a big block party and all that stuff. And um, I didn't drink. It was the first sober Goose Fest I've ever had. Um, it was great. Not waking up in the morning hungover, not worrying about anything. And, you know, we had a bunch of new guys in town. And, you know, I just kind of made sure everybody was in good good standing with everyone. And um, I figure since I got through the Goose Festival without drinking, I got through my birthday without drinking, I'm pretty much good with that. I don't really need it anymore. I don't think, I mean, and who knows, maybe someday I'll be where I can have a cocktail. But to me, it's like, what's the point? If I, if I stay away from those empty calories that are in alcohol or in sugar or, you know, anything, I won't, this won't be a waste of time and money. Right. Because, it's, a, it's a good thing, man. I tell you, I'm proud for you. Yeah. And I, and, and I know, and I know how much better you feel. Cause I'm the same way and I got a long way to go. And I got to get through this hunting season, but hunting season's pretty easy for me because we have salads and stuff here every day. And I think right. season is terrible for if not for me. It's it not. is awful for me because there's food on demand all the time. Like I can walk into that yeah. back door and there's something to eat. At our lodges here, I mean, it's awful. The food is so good, and there's always cookies or desserts, or there's a soda machine, there's hot chocolate, you know on demand whenever you want yeah there's always a refrigerator full of leftovers our meals are like breakfast is either like sausage egg and cheese you know breakfast biscuit or uh biscuits and gravy a breakfast casserole pancakes and sausage lunches are like cheeseburgers chicken sandwiches taco tuesday um pizza and chicken wings dinners are ribeyes prime rib the best pork chop you've ever had it's unbelievable the food that's here and i made it through teal season and I was still on the, I couldn't eat a lot of the stuff during teal season. But now, during duck season's coming up, I can eat whatever I want. But I've been able to get through this long without it. Yeah. That, you know, I, I just have to, I know I can only eat so much. So I have to really focus my, what I do eat on. If I'm going to eat dinner tonight, it's going to have to be a little tiny piece of steak, a little bit of a baked potato. And once I can start eating lettuce again, I'll eat salad. Do yeah. you, but, uh, did you have you know, COVID? No, I, I did not have, well. I don't think so. I never got sick. I never, but I got vaccinated. Um, I thought I was going to Canada, so I went and got vaccinated, but we just had too much infrastructure stuff to do here at the Grand, so I didn't end up going to Canada this year. But I'm not upset that I got vaccinated. I got the Johnson & Johnson shot, and nothing, no side effects, no sore arm, no sickness. My head hasn't fallen off, you know, so, I mean, I'm glad I got vaccinated, but I haven't caught it either. I, I got I had COVID once for sure and maybe a second time even too, but my taste is different. So food don't so certain things that I've I've eaten are things that taste good still because a lot of shit tastes like crap to me. And Andy, you have that on some things, right? Yeah. So um, I've heard from different people that coffee was tasting bad. Coffee never tasted bad for me until like a month ago you when got we the second when, round when we went it. to St. Lucia. Um, I thought it was a different coffee. <clears throat> And it, it kind of smelled weird and tasted weird, and it just didn't taste right. And then when I got back home, coffee tasted the same. But I tell you what, Dirty Duck makes the Missouri Boat Ride, and it's got like a sweet flavor to it, a sweet aroma. And that does not have the COVID taste or, or smell. So the Dirty Duck Missouri Boat Ride, 
It's a sweeter flavor. And what's good about this, November, we're cutting out, we're going clean here at the Big Honker Lodge. Jeff and Mom got into a big fight a couple days ago. Fight's a big word. They got we're, old, a, we're old and married. Everybody we just argued. Everybody was at each other's throats a week ago. So we have made a pact that November 1st, we're cutting out sugar. I'm cutting out alcohol. Um, and we're going to eat clean, and we're all going to kind of move our asses a little bit. So the only time I really have sugar is in my morning coffee. So having that sweeter uh, Dirty Duck coffee is going to help me not put any sugar in my coffee. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, Dirty Duck sent us that care package because it is – I have to have my coffee. We'll be, we'll all be on the same team then, living clean, right? That's right. That's well, right. We, there, there's we gonna said be we're going to eat clean. We didn't say we were living clean. There's going to be some clean. bitchy bit. There's going to be some bitchy bastards around here. Come about thanks. Oh, we're quitting Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving, all you know, the wheels are off. You can go back to living your degenerate lifestyle. But uh, November one to Thanksgiving. So speak run, and then you're going to be back off the wagon. <laughs> What's that? You're gonna have a three-week run of living, of eating clean, and then at once Thanksgiving comes, you're off the wagon. It, it, yeah, and that means on Friday we're gonna be blowing that toilet up all oh day long. Oh my goodness, we're not hunting Friday, are we? <laughs> yeah, we, we are hunting. We I'm, hunt I'm gonna to have to pace myself because <laughs> I, you know, I've already kind of got some some, you know, I'm I'm regimented during hunting season. I don't need to throw that routine off. I can't be stopping at pivot tires to take a shit. Hey, Arliss, do you wear Crocs? <laughs> I'm wearing Crocs right now. I, I'm not a croc wearer, but I went when we went to Bass Pro Shops. Our friends went with us, and, and Coach he had to go into store. We went into Croc World. Have y'all been to a Croc World before? Never. They make. I haven't. The Croc World didn't have any of the good ones. I didn't realize Crocs made so many damn shoes. Can you imagine how much money they're making? What do they sell them for? Like thirty bucks? Uh, Depends on what you you can get. You can get the off-road ones. How much are the off-road ones? I think it's sixty dollars. Hmm, shit. A pair of fucking crocs. Now, what do those have? Do they have, do those have like a, a, a liner in them or something? Because they make some that are warmer. Uh, so they make them that they have a closed toe, so you, you don't get sticks inside the front of the toe. And then they also have a Velcro. Uh, the the, the four-wheel drive hub has got Velcro on it, so you can tighten it down. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh at all my guys. They all wear fucking Crocs. I, I think you wearing a fucking, not. but yeah, thank God. You're wearing a fucking plastic shoe like the Dutch wore with fucking holes drilled and all in them. And then you walk across the wet grass oh. with socks on and your socks are wet. But imagine how much money they're making. No, they, they can't have $4 tied into a pair of Crocs. No. Oh, no. Absolutely not. So I have, oh, hold on. I'm sorry. I just got a, had a phone call. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah we can hear good. you. You're good. There? Yes, this happens uh, quite often. Uh, You're good. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I have so my my footwear, my daily footwear regimen goes from Crocs for the house or you know around the house to outside. I have the Lacrosse Alpha Muddy boots, which are kind of like those uh, extra tops that everybody wears now. Yep. Those are sweet. I got but those. The the, the, yeah, but you I you got to go to the Lacrosse ones. The sole is thicker, so when you step on a cocklebird, it doesn't stick to the bottom of your boot. Jeff's not in and a situation where he's going to step onto a cocklebird. Like, Jeff Jeff is pavement only. <laughs> well, then, okay. But the uh, all my, all the guys have extra. I have the lacrosse off of Burleys, and this is an argument at which boots are the best. Um, <laughs> but I 
I like the lacrosse boots. And then I go from those to waders. That's it. That's all I wear year round. Sometimes I wear like a pair of uh, flip flops, but that's it. So it's, it's either uh, Crocs, Alpha, Alpha Muddies, waders. That's it. See, I, your I, comfort all the time. I'm a, I wear a Columbia every The nice part about the Crocs is when separate into Crocs and not have to do anything else. There's no laces. There's no nothing. You just drop them on the ground, waders off, Crocs on, you hop in the truck or whatever, you're done. I, I get it. Like, listen, I wear, I've got my shoe of choice. I've got on, I wear them everywhere. I've got on Converse's that are slip on, no laces. I've also, I've also gotten quite lazy in my old age. I slip them on, I'm out the door. I, uh, I have, this is going to sound, this is going to sound quite homosexual, but I've never had a penis in my mouth. I want, I want this disclaimer out there first. The things that I wear, if I got to wear waders, I've got a pair of Ugg slippers and I slip those on me and Tom Brady, the goat. Uh, we have the same style of footwear. Uh, put on a pair of Uggs. Were those Christmas gifts? Because I think I have some Uggs too. Yeah. From yeah. mom, bought her by Uggs. Mom got yeah. it. Yeah. But I've not ever had a penis in or around my mouth. Well, we're glad to hear that. Congratulations. Yeah. But I do wear Uggs. Um, I, have, I have one more disclaimer also. I also have a pair of Hey Dudes. Oh, okay. That are my uh, fancy going out. Yes. Yes. Those, that, those are the fancy dancing shoes. Yes, those also need to come with a disclaimer, too. Now, Crocs has a new shoe like a Hey Dude, because I started to buy some when we were in the store. They look damn comfortable. Have you yeah, seen them? I'm, I'm, a, I'm an off-road Croc kind of guy, and that's the only, only pair I'll go with. I don't have any other, you know, the, the fleece-lined ones. If it's that cold, I'm wearing my boots. If it's, you know, if it's uh, not, I can wear the uh, – now, Crocs with socks, that's acceptable when it's either really hot out or really cold out, because <laughs> – when it's really hot, you don't want to get sweaty feet in your Crocs, and you get sliding around. <laughs> and then when it's cold, you get a little bit of, you know, extra insulation. <laughs> I'm a Croc kind of tour. I, I did not. There's so there's there's so much etiquette that goes yeah. into uh, to Croc wearing. If I see somebody I in the not summer realize, not wearing socks, I'm gonna have to get yeah, on to them. Like, listen, motherfucker, it's 105. You put on your socks. I started yeah, little, nice pair of like ankles. Ankle socks will change your change your Croc day. You, you know shows. <laughs> I um, I when when Crocs first came out with the fleece lined or wool lined ones, one year for Christmas, and this has been a way a way back. This one Crocs really just start coming out, and I had a pair of the old ones at one time I used to wear around the house, and um, I was thinking I, I got online and looked things to buy gifts to buy for women that are hard to buy for age thirty five up or whatever it was. Well, because Michelle, Michelle has everything she wants anyway, so she's tough to buy for. Well, I saw these Crocs on there with these full fleece lined. I thought, hell yeah. So I ordered a set of those. So we come to the lodge like two days later, and there's cat, there's these, and, I, and the girl who works for us is in here, and we had a Croc catalog back when they used to send shit out all the time. And I look at them. I said, look at these right here. I said, I ordered those for Michelle. She's going to love these, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't 15 minutes later. Michelle comes into work. She's looking through the catalogs, and she's like, oh, my God. This girl, she goes, look at this shit. She goes, this is hideous. Because She goes, could you imagine someone buying you this? And it's that same fucking pair of shoes I was going to buy her. I turned around, went back, and got on the phone and canceled that fucking order right there. (laughs) You dodged that bullet. Yeah. I thought, boy, I'm glad she said that now, and I didn't hear that. Because she'd have been like, oh, that's real good. Because we have a closet full of shit she's never bought anyway, so. A closet full of shit she's never worn. I never worn, Gifts yeah. From that, you. Yeah, that I've bought. So I t- you always leave the tag on and you always get a receipt is my that's my motto for life for anybody that's married. 
Well, there's some awkward time there. We got some dead time going here. We don't ever have dead time. Like, we sound like another waterfowl podcast. <laughs> bunch of dead time here. Artists, we appreciate you being on here, bud. I wish y'all the best on season. I uh, hopefully you get some winter and you can push some them birds down here from me. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll try and keep the heated ponds to a minimum. You know, keep those ducks moving. That's yeah, just those... the boys in Louisiana get mad at you, not us. Do you? Uh, how much hate mail do you receive on a daily basis? You and, 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 and your crew around I, you for having heated ponds. I don't receive any personally. I mean, I try and keep it, you know, fly under the radar as best I can. I'm, but, you know, as far as like, I don't have a ton of Instagram and all that stuff, but it's, uh, and that's fine by me. But Tony, I mean, obviously, and that stuff, we just kind of brush it off. You know, I see stuff online, people, you know, we see, I see it all the time, you know, people saying stuff about heated ponds and HF and holding all the ducks and all that. It's like, in the end of the day, it's, I wish we could hold the whole migration up. That'd be great to have 8,000 or 8 million mallards here, but, you know, we really can't do that. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> if anybody wants to come visit stuff out and see how, how much work we actually put into this, into making this wheel turn, um, by all means, but... You know, if we get if it gets down below, you know, 10, below 10 degrees, 15 degrees for any stretch of time, the ducks leave. You know, we do our best to keep the water open. You know, we get any snow and it's cold, the ducks are gone. They cut, they go, they go south. Right. Doesn't matter what we do, um, we can hold some. But as far as stopping a migration, I think that's uh, that whole ambient temperature outside and how much snow we got and the fact that it didn't freeze in South Dakota last year. I think that's probably more something to look at than blaming us. You know, the funny thing about it that, is it's low hanging fruit is all it is. Yep. And it's, it's the guys from Louisiana yeah. that raise a hell. And most of them are hunting on rice that they flood after they get their last crop off of it. So it's the same damn thing. Not all of them. Cause a lot of them hunt the marshes and shit, but I've seen guys down there that are members of hunt club and they're flooding rice. So it's the same deal. Well, I think, I think part of what Louisiana doesn't, you know, like Louisiana's lost a lot of its rice. A lot of the rice now is grown in Arkansas. Yes. Compared yeah. to what it was. And every single water body, wetland, swamp, pond, creek, rice field in Louisiana has a duck hunter on it. Yep. You know, no wonder the duck, there's no ducks there. They don't give them a chance to rest. I mean, Louisiana is still number one in duck harvest. Right. I think followed by California, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, I think like, you're right. But it's like no one wants to look in the mirror. It's just like, you know, like Jeff and I surgery, you know, who's whose fault is it? We gained so much weight. Look in the mirror. It's your fault. Bingo. You know, well, and, and people is bad. People like to have something that they can blame, that they can touch, that they think that they can change. Right, exactly. You know, they don't want to like, you know, listen for us. Like we have a shitload of speckle bellies out here. We used to not have that 15 years ago. We used to have Canada's and there's you know it's easy to point fingers at one thing or another and you know because maybe we can change these things but it sucks to just say like you know what we haven't had fucking winter in 20 years the agriculture out here is, is the the agriculture methods are starting to change like and there's nothing you can change it's just you fucking shitty luck make the most of what you got sumner sumner is one of those wild goose capitals of the world right there's like five or six of them probably we have a giant paper mache goose that's like 40 feet tall and Sumner used to be like a thriving place to come and goose hunt right the whole eastern prairie population of Canada geese would winter at Swan Silver Lake 
every field has an old concrete pit in it. There was towers in the woods where guys would plant these like giant tree stands and parachute geese. And now there'd be, you know, 350, 400,000 geese that would winter there. We get, if we get 10,000, it's a lot. Yeah. You know, just the geese days, the powerhouse, you know, the, the cooling plants in Iowa, you know, Kansas city, St. Louis, all that stuff. All the geese go to different places. Now they go to cities. They go to, they stay further into Iowa. We don't get near as much snow. We don't get near as much cold and they just don't come here anymore. It just is what it is. Just, we, we don't go on the internet and hate on the nuclear power plants in Iowa for stopping the geese. <laughs> right. It, what happened? Yeah. You got to shit happen. Make the most of what it is. Arliss, we appreciate you coming on, my friend. Good luck this hunting season. When's Cooper get back? Is he back now? Uh, no, no. He, there's no way. There's too much work to get done for Cooper to be here now. He'll be here probably like a couple hours before he has to hunt on the first day. <laughs> He's like a blister. He shows up after the work's done. No, he'll probably be here. Oh, we don't start till next Saturday. He'll probably be here next Tuesday or Wednesday if I had to guess. Cool. But maybe, uh, maybe we'll both come on next time. Yeah, that'll be We'd good. We'd like to do that. Y'all take care of yourself. God bless y'all. Tony, tell Tony I said hello and have a great day. Good luck, guys. Be safe. Thank Bye. you. Arliss Reed. Arliss Reed. Keeping the, keeping the train on the track there at the Grand Habitat Flats. Poor guy spending all that money to buy new hunting clothes now. Oof. And he was wearing Sitka, too, so that is not going to be an uh, inexpensive uh, nope. expedition. I'm going to uh, contact him about New York, though. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about that trip. That's good, Jeff. Get off one trip, ready to go on another. World, world, world traveler. traveler. That's right. That's exactly right. All right, what else going on in life? Anything? <sighs> I don't think so. This will be episode 501, right? Uh, you know, yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, thank y'all for listening to us. Uh, God bless y'all. Have a great week. Uh, be safe this year on Halloween, and um, watch out for those kiddos. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Go check out all of our wonderful sponsors. Check out Dirty Duck Coffee. Maybe your coffee uh, has changed kind of like mine has. The Missouri Boat Ride's the way to go. Lucky Duck, Boss Shot Shells, Dive Bomb Industries, Pacific Calls, Shin Gear Waiters, Steak Plains Meat, uh, Looking Glass Duck Club Podcast, Gundog Outdoors, Goose Creek Retrievers, Bangtail Whiskey, Eyesight Drones, Stanford Hunt Outfitters. <laughs>